In December of 2022, TAP or Troy Architecture Project in the city of Troy hosted a deconstruction summit, a space to talk about the process of taking a building apart in a way that preserves usable materials. Today, we are joined by Daniel Morrissey from TAP and Renee Panetta from the city of Troy to give us a report back from the deconstruction summit and to talk about what's next. Thanks for joining us today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. First, I would just curious if either of you would like to elaborate on what deconstruction is and tell us a little bit about what came out of this summit that you hosted back in December. Yeah, thanks for having us. So deconstruction is essentially reversing the process of construction. So you go about it in exactly the opposite direction. You take off the shingles of the roof first, you take off the next layers next. Finally, you get to the structure. A lot of the buildings in Troy and New York State are relatively old and went through the period where asbestos products were being used, lead pipes and paint were being used. And so there has to be a preliminary stage of, of materials management and hazardous waste assessment um, and, of course, proper remediation. So we need updated laws around all of that. And we definitely need ways to incentivize doing deconstruction because construction and demolition waste accounts for more than two times the amount of U.S. household solid waste. That proportion is, is growing every year. The materials, once you start to deconstruct, where do you put those materials, right? Are you going to warehouse them? Are you going to directly sell them on, say, eBay or Craigslist? Um, and then who is going to do that work? You know, I'm hearing that like some of the benefits of exploring the process of deconstruction might be decreasing or mitigating our waste streams. And you started talking about like who would do this work. I imagine there's some job creation, but are there other benefits for engaging in this deconstruction process? I, I think that a piece of it is the four pillars. The first pillar is the legislation, writing the laws so that um, it supports the work that's going to be done in a way that sets it up for success, in a way that sets it up to have a strategy going into it. So things like what Daniel mentioned with asbestos are considered when you're doing the work and that there are safety protocols and such set up along with that legislation. So that's the first pillar. Second pillar would be the warehouse space. Third pillar would be the workforce development, of which there's a lot of capacity there. And then the fourth one would be the data gathering and the clearinghouse or the technological storage of the information so that when these warehouses are set up, the inventory is accessible to folks in a different area very, very simply by it being available online. In addition to that, I think what's also really important to highlight in the whole conversation about deconstruction is that apparently about 12 or 13 years ago, Syracuse University had hosted some sort of summit, not similar to the one that we did, but they were addressing deconstruction, but there wasn't momentum behind it. And now both on a statewide level and on a national level, that momentum is there. And so CROWD, which is Circularity Reuse Zero Waste Development, 
when they had done a presentation at a conference I had been at, I was like, wow, I really'd like to be a part of that. And in being part of that, one of the things we had to do was goal setting, which is how we ended up hosting the summit collectively with TAP this year, because in January of 2022, I said, oh, I think that our goal for this year is that we'll host a deconstruction summit in Troy. Some of the some of the additional benefits of deconstruction include general environmental health and justice, typically with demolition. There is a great amount of dust, even if that dust does not include asbestos, it's still toxic. Um, Of course, we have all kinds of data about the racial injustices of social indicators of health, the structural oppression that people experience in low income communities and communities of color. And the prospect of, of demolition really increases that risk immensely during the process the amount of dust that is mobilized into the surrounding blocks, even for a single family house, the dust is really a a huge concern. Now, I've seen some examples around um, projects that have gone through this process of deconstruction, but is there a place here that is leading in deconstruction like nationally? And does Troy have any plans for pilot projects? Yes, on a national level, Portland, Oregon, and uh, Austin, Texas are really, really in the forefront of that. Um, And it's what we've been looking to to start kind of like line by line iteming what needs to go for legislation based on their experiences and based on the challenges that they faced. So on a statewide level, there is already work that's being pursued. The issue is that a lot of the municipalities that are attempting it, Ithaca included. Ithaca is the closest to having something done on a municipal level, but the goal is by having something on a statewide level that there's a lot less work that will need to be done municipally. Um, But there are a bunch of things that will get bumped down to that level. But the needs of what has to be done in a city like Troy or on a much larger scale, a city like New York, as opposed to something in Western New York in a rural community is very, very different. And so I think that the things that the Assembly and the Senate determine to be necessary to pursue on a local level will help be leaders in that, as will Ithaca, because they've gotten really, really close to establishing some protocol. There is a pilot that I know of that will be happening at some point in the spring over in Scotia. We are meeting with TAP and working with TAP on looking at some projects that we'd like to have TAP pursue, uh, the lead agency on doing a pilot. But that again, we have to look and see what inherent risks there are to that being done before the city is involved in that. There are ARPA funds that are put aside for demo, for building demolishing. And I've just started having conversations with the administration about what it might look like to put aside some of those funds. So they're looking to the state to see what regs need to be adapted or adjusted for us to do that as a city. You all collaborated the city of Troy and TAP on this uh, deconstruction summit at the end of last year. What are next steps after you held this summit uh, in terms of moving this forward? At this point, we have engaged with crowd on a statewide level, the circularity reuse zero waste development. 
so that they can really spearhead it on a statewide level. Their resources and depth of expertise are much higher than any of us kind of across the board. And so the only revisions or adaptations that will need to be made is to see how those four pillars merge with the goals, the visions, and the mission of what crowd already does. And so it's more of a, how, how will that dovetail? How do we integrate it into what they're already doing? And then the goal would be to have another summit this year and potentially next year. Great. So as we start to wrap up here, one, I'm curious if there's something I didn't ask you about that you're interested in sharing. And two, is there a way that like the general public can engage in this process or advocate for legislation? As an advocacy organization, TAP is definitely looking to build momentum around this in the capital region and especially in Troy. And so if folks want to just reach out to TAP, you can go to tapinc.org, T-A-P-I-N-C.org, or you can just reach out to your city councilor or the mayor's office. I think it is really the time for this. There is strong momentum throughout the state. And I think that it's part of kind of the sustainability zeitgeist right now. Uh, People are really thinking about circularity or circular economy. And just say that you would love to have some kind of legislation. Probably the other aspect of this is the workforce development side that is that is most interesting. This is a really huge opportunity for re-entry programs from formerly incarcerated folks and anti-recidivism programs to really get people back to work after being incarcerated. It's an amazing way to learn construction by deconstructing something. I think those are excellent points. And I think piggybacking on that, when we spoke to Dr. Kellis, who is in the assembly, I think 125th district, she is Tompkins County. She was one of our keynotes. One of the interesting things that she pointed out too, was that it becomes green collar work, that it doesn't have any higher value for somebody to be an engineer than it does for them to be a laborer. They're of equal value and equal importance in the process. And so I think that echoes really well with what Daniel was saying. And then in addition to that, Um, Something that Diane Cohen said, she's the executive director on Finger Lakes Reuse, is that this takes something that right now we're paying $73 plus per ton to dispose of, and it turns it into revenue that is between $1,500 and $2,800 a ton. So in terms of it being people, planet, profit, you know, as Daniel said, there there are so many reentry types of programs, and then there are also programs that are PhD student programs, um, you know, the, the data gathering that's being done in um, like Circular Lab, which is associated with Cornell, is enormous. So across the board and every type of stakeholder group, there's opportunity for impact.